Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. Um, this is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Good morning. And Pastor Bonnie. Good morning. And hey, man, so the weather, I feel like, is turning a corner. It's been pretty nice this weekend, and we mm-hmm. had our uh, drive-in Sunday morning service yesterday. So how'd you guys feel? How'd you feel like it went? And uh, how'd you make out? I know you were just telling me some stuff. <laughs> Well, my big mistake with my big old shiny globe of a head is I did not bring sunscreen or a hat. So consequently, I had to text Steph every half hour to say, can you bring a hat when you come for second service? Can you bring lotion when you come for second service? So uh, I am paying for it today when I got in the shower this morning. Um, It wasn't pleasant. (laughs) I wanted to wear a hat, but that's just because my hair is getting long, so... (laughs) <laughs> well, I have the opposite problem. I want to wear a hat because my hair isn't long enough. <laughs> yep, that was one thing we didn't... Uh, it, yesterday was gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous weather. Like, it couldn't have been more perfect outside. I mean, bright blue skies, just... Like, to be able to look up into the treetops while we were doing worship was, like, such a cool thing. Uh, like, I'll always have that picture in my mind. Um, but definitely one thing I forgot about was, um, sunscreen because I was wearing long sleeves because it was cool out, you know, and I had like a, like a sweater on and stuff. So I was pretty much covered up from head to toe, um, except for my hands and like I was wearing a V-neck. So like there's a little patch like right under my neck and then the, the back of the jacket I was wearing had holes in it. So there's like where the two like bigger holes are there's like two weird patches so i have like four weird patches of sunburn on my body (laughs) that i've just been like rubbing aloe in because they're you know irritated but other than that it was um it was an awesome day yeah um rebecca said she got sunburned sitting in her car so (laughs) which which has happened to her before when she would drive home from work so but she's like yeah one arm got red because whatever it was like an hour you know she's sitting there so yeah yep can happen i'll have to see about putting up one of the pop-up tents over the platform or something like that (laughs) yeah i actually i actually think it happened when i was you know sitting during the sermon because i think that's because the sun was directly hitting me both times so yeah yeah but whatever nice well it was definitely exciting yeah the weather was great pastor jamal i got a couple good shots of you on the drums too i feel like you kind of had like an epic look like i was trying to get the cars and like you there so you know if i got a good one i'll post it but i thought appreciate it appreciate it i uh (laughs) did not get sunburned so praise (laughs) the lord i'll say that i did not i did not catch the sunburn nice Well, if uh, you're listening and you haven't had, if you weren't able to join us that Sunday, we are going to be doing another one this coming Sunday. Um, what is that? June 7th, I believe. 7th, uh, yeah. yeah, the 7th. So at the time of this recording. So uh, it'll be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. again. And so, uh, well, let's start talking about kind of the sermon and it was Pentecost Sunday. So it was really special that we got to, um, you know, meet in person, at least this way. and we did have like an altar call response time. We had some carpet squares. So it was kind of like you were separated and 
you know, it, 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 it worked out really well in that way. But just uh, with it being Pentecost Sunday, I wanted to, we, I know we, a couple weeks ago we talked a little bit about this, but let's just talk quickly about what it means and why it's significant. And even us, we're Pentecostals, the name comes from there. So uh, what does Pentecostal mean? I know a few people had some thoughts and asked me, how long is it after Easter and that kind of stuff? So Pentecost, give me a one-on-one real quick. Whatever you got. Oh. Everybody's <laughs> looking, but I saw Pastor Jamal with the Bible, so go for it. <laughs> Give it to us I was, straight. No, I was I was just pulling I was just pulling to make sure that I'm I, I wanted to make sure that I was correct. That I I think <clears throat> as that, I have understood it. It, uh, it it Pentecost is not in the Bible. No, um um yeah, I um I understand that you know Pentecost is the fifty weeks, I believe, after uh, Easter and uh days days oh so yeah i did say 50 weeks right 50 (laughs) weeks would almost put it a whole year my bad yeah my bad they're like yo that's crazy you gotta wait a year um yeah 50 (laughs) 50 days sorry uh 50 days after easter um and it was uh, a a festival that was like a harvest right and i think i said this in the last podcast um how i just was very appreciative of uh, what would seem to be very much an orchestrated act of God uh, to bring about a movement like uh, like uh, Pentecost during a festival of harvest, uh, knowing that uh, his goal is to uh, bring about souls uh, into the kingdom, the harvest of souls uh, in a very illustrative way uh, into the kingdom, uh, moving uh, the message of the gospel from being uh, very much uh, Jewish centric at the time, right? And as we read scripture, we understand that God chose the Hebrew people to be the people that he would reveal himself uh, uh, first to, uh, and then use that culture and that people group uh, to reveal himself to the world. So now uh, it was almost like seeing um, the Bible move into phase two uh, in that moment uh, on the day of Pentecost. So that's, uh, I think that that's pretty cool. Uh, I know that there are some people who uh, preach differently about that in regards to Pentecost, but I, I do believe when you look at the meta, the meta narrative of the Bible, uh, it just it just flows very well with the entire message that's being portrayed from beginning uh, to end. Mm. I like that how you said it's kind of like moving into phase two there, and um, yeah. yeah, I think. So the way I've understood it, yeah, it's like it's it was a Jewish holiday, Pentecost, 50 days after, I guess, Passover. But then um, because of the event of Pentecost, which is what we celebrated at church with the Holy Spirit being out, uh, poured out, the birth of the church, um, that's typically how we celebrate it, 50 days after Easter. And uh, that's the significant for us today as Christians. Um, uh, and any thoughts that you guys have in relation to um, – Pentecostals like well why are we called Pentecostals then like when did that start I guess maybe like if Pentecost Sunday was 2,000 years ago I don't know if you have any thoughts on that no I don't know when the term Pentecostals was coined um uh but I do know that um like it's an important part of who we are, whether we're called Pentecostals or something else. It's the idea of the Holy Spirit and the fact that we believe the Holy Spirit moves today and gives gifts today. And that that initial um, moment where people were empowered 
you know, with speaking in tongues and all that, which you know, some of the God, you know, that's what we stand for, but, but that initial empowering, you know, is such an important thing. And so we take the name based after the fact that it happened on the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost itself doesn't mean fire and tongues and Holy spirit. Um, but we've taken that name and it's kind of evolved into that meaning as, as it's a way for us to, kind of label ourselves so that we have common ground to stand on. So people kind of know what we believe. Yeah. I think, I think what I've understood is um, the way it came to be a term possibly is um, when, when uh, early in the 1900s, there were some questions uh, about Acts chapter two and the experience of the early church, um, you know, in that upper room and they were questioning, you know, well, well, you know, is that experience that they had still for today? And so they were, you know, looking in the scriptures and finding the different experience, uh, you know, experiences and evidence and things like that. And they came, the Bible students came to the conclusion that yes, that experience that is in Acts chapter two of the 120 in the upper room experiencing, um, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as that has happened um, to all of them, that that experience is still for today. And so the term Pentecostal simply means those who believe that that Acts chapter two experience is for today, those who, who, who ascribe to that belief. And, and so here's my, uh-oh, I, I my stumble into the, into the, uh, I guess, the mix of it all. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying, Pastor Bonnie, right? Like in the sense that this is what um, this name kind of like derives from. My question is, do we really believe that in the sense mm-hmm. of praxi? Because when we read that passage of scripture in, in Acts chapter two, it's clear that that experience brings about the utterance of languages that people can understand. Right. And people can like actually interpret in their own language. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the part where it gets a little sticky, where some of the praxy of of Pentecostal heritage gets a little Mm -hmm. out of control. Right. Gets a little Mm -hmm. gets a little wacky and is not in this regards or in, in we're talking the event of Pentecost. It's not in the event of Pentecost actually biblically accurate sometimes. And we got to be careful about that. Right. That's a really good point you bring up. And actually, I think I've said this before, maybe somewhere on the podcast, but like in school, I, when I was learning about um, the, the Pentecostal movement and stuff like that, I remember one of my professors talking about how when this began to happen, this revival and people were speaking in tongues. And like you said, Pastor Jamal, in the Bible that we see, it was in languages people could understand. So missionaries went to other countries and started speaking mm-hmm. in tongues thinking like, Oh, Oh my gosh, God has empowered us. We don't need to learn the language anymore. And I remember we kind of all laughed about that in class, but I always also felt like, well, I don't know, props to them. Like I feel like they kind of, they, <laughs> it's not what happened, I guess, but like, wouldn't that be the understanding from what you read? Like, yeah, I guess that's what God wants to do. That's what it makes sense. But yeah, I just thought I had. So well, it it says the word says that the the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in other tongues, um, 
is a testament, a testimony to unbelievers. So, you know, and then there's the, also the separate side of it where the scripture talks about, you know, the prayer language that, you know, the, so the tongues given for personal prayer language. And so, but, but I mean, I've been in situations um, or two, two specifically on mission trips where um, one eyewitness personally and the other one I heard of that happened in the service I was in where someone um, was praying at the altar and started to speak in tongues and the one time it was um, a person speak, uh, praying for one of the church members and started speaking, started praying in Spanish and didn't know Spanish, didn't know a word of Spanish otherwise, but started praying in, in the language they could understand. And then the other, the opposite was true where one of the um, people at the meeting, one of the Spanish people started praying in English. And like we all understood what they were saying and they didn't know English otherwise. So, um, and so for whoever was in that room that was unbelie that an unbeliever that maybe needed that testimony, you know, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I had a similar situation with a former student of mine who went on a missions trip and he was always skeptical of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, just was like, nah, I don't know if this is a thing. Uh, and actually God used him to pray for somebody in, in Spanish and he knows no Spanish. And he was yeah. like, it messed his whole world up. He was like, yeah. like, he was really like, yo, this is crazy. I never, like, I never knew this was real. I never experienced it like this. And that, that was like, it, it like shook him to the point where he was like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know. And almost to the point too, where he was like, I don't believe that this was real like because mm. it was that unbelievable like mm. we i think we throw that term around like oh this is unbelievable like no he really was it was for him unbelievable he was like mm. no nah, i don't think that that was real because he couldn't explain it you know and put it into like a tangible like box that allowed for him to say oh yeah this is a thing so yeah mm -hmm. well, there's some uh cool stories you bring up and that really I think is part of being Pentecostal is that we are open to those things maybe to your point a little more Jamal uh Pastor Jamal is that we um shouldn't simply be open to them but maybe should expect them a little bit more or ask God mm. to move in that way more than we do because mm. we can focus on um uh you know we kind of separate it in into an earthly language or a heavenly language those are mm -hmm. stories of uh how god moved that way like we see in scripture um but you know we i think in first corinthians where they prayed in tongues all the time and paul's like all right let me help you let me give you some order here you guys are going a little yeah. too much and so again just to your point there well let's um unless you guys have other thoughts on that i want i want to go this direction well um, i thought and real okay, quick yeah, i think so that whatever yeah so no, I think that what you were saying, even in just now, you tied in the Corinthians first Corinthians passage. That to me is a better way of looking at the whole scope, right? Is not mm -hmm. not just saying Pentecost is an event, and so we root ourselves in the event, but we take the event and we look at it in the scope of the other passages that speak about it, and right. say, okay, what's the full scope of this, uh, and make sure that we operate accordingly. So, you know, because if you come in and 
like what Paul says in the first Corinthians passage and you're a resounding gong, then man, we've really, mm. we've really missed the mark. Um, and I think that um, it helps to keep a sense of a hum- sense of humility, like about it. And I think that um, we, I don't know, I think we need to make sure that we're just cautious. We're cautious with the gifts in the sense of um, not parading them around like some sort of like Boy Scout badge or whatnot, but that we're actually saying, hey, if this is a gift from the Lord to build his kingdom, how do we build the kingdom? Like, you know, and how do we, um, how do we use what he's gifted us with? How do we steward it well? That's awesome. And um, so I think really going along with that is uh, kind of where I wanted to take it a little bit, like thinking about how kind of, yeah, bigger picture that is what it's about. We're not rooting ourselves. I like you worded it so well, not rooting ourselves in an event where um living that out you know pentecost is about yeah the holy spirit comes unites and empowers the believers to spread the love of christ to a broken world Mm -hmm. and so you know how do we do that today how is that crucial considering the current events right now and conversations of acts of murder and racism in our country that this isn't something that we believe in a separate sense Oh yeah, the Holy Spirit comes. Yes, I can pray in tongues. Maybe it's an earthly language and someone will understand. Okay, in a totally unrelated sense, racism is a current conversation in our country. Why is it, how is it crucial that this is not separate? You know? Well, um, well, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) You go. No, I got it. I was was just going to say, I think it, I think it is, I think we, we can lean back again on that first Corinthians passage. If I can speak in tongues of Mm. men and angels, but I don't have love, Mm. I am a resounding gong. Like that is, if we're talking about, so my, my mind immediately goes to like almost like three different levels of this and, and, and to unpack, to unpack some of the effects of racism within America you you need you need 80 more podcasts right mm. um i think that if we're talking about the church specifically pentecost specifically um and the word my mind goes first corinthians james so mm. either <clears throat> if i'm going to approach situations and scenarios like this i need to come with love um and in approaching those scenarios with love, it needs to also fall in line with, as what James would say, you know, action. So, you know, if I believe these things about uh, the word of God and the kingdom of God, it needs to be followed up with action. Uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll pause right there and I'll just put a hold up. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to bring in, I'm going to bring in one more passage in there too, and the importance of the Holy Spirit um, in the whole situation and in our lives in general, um, Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit, you know, if we're not operating in those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or long suffering, right. Um, uh, and self-control. And I feel like I'm forgetting one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, faithfulness. Um, 
had to sing the song to remind myself. Um, but, but my other, when I was reading the outline this morning before we got on the podcast, there was this one main thought in my head um, regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, regarding you know, our belief as Pentecostals for the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, and our experience as children of God, you know, and how, how God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, you know, of sonship and everything, and really how the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us, to give us power to be witnesses. And just to, just to feel, I mean, we, we hear and we as believers that have experienced um, a mighty move of God and, and being in the presence of God, we, I think we've all experienced that power in some way, shape, or form. And we know what, what it feels like to feel empowered by God, our creator. And I think what we're seeing now, especially in recent events um, and all the, you know, things that are going on in the cities um, with the rioting and things like that, I think that is an effect of um, feelings of powerlessness where people feel that they're powerless and the only way that they feel that they can express their need for power or their or their ability to have power um may, maybe is to do some of the things that have been happening um and and obviously we can see the effect of of that you know a, you know out that acting out in the flesh of of wanting to be powerful in and of ourselves um but i think the importance is to be powerful in the spirit and and that's where the true power lies it's really good what you bring up. And I think, like you said, maybe if you're listening, for example, and you've been a Christian for a long time, thinking of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit can feel like you already know what that means. Or like you said, Pastor Bunny, you've, already, you've experienced that before. And so maybe it can be easy to forget, actually, um, that I don't have any power. And like you said, maybe we're seeing in one way or another the effects of 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 that feeling of powerlessness, there is an injustice, something must be done, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, I am nobody to change anything in, in that sense. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, you brought this up earlier before we hit record. Um, Can I, so. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, let's see. Are you, are you about to shift? Okay. I didn't know if you were about to shift into another level. I was going to do the Azusa Street to... thing. That's what I was going to Okay. Ask well, about, let me, so. let me, let me. To, to go back to what Pastor Bonnie said, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on what you're saying there a little bit, Pastor Bonnie, because I don't know if it is I don't know if it's a reach for power though. Like, you know, I don't think that the that some of the rioting that we're seeing is reach for power. I believe that a, mm. some of the rioting that we're seeing is a result of a multitude of things, like. Mm. It is a knot of things. And um, when it gets seen, it's only seen almost in like a sweeping generality. Mm -hmm. And and that can sometimes get dangerous, you know. Um, but I think for, the, for I'm going to speak for people that I know that were protesting, not rioting as African-Americans. Like mm -hmm. I know that for some of the, for a lot of them, um you know they they're like i'm not rioting but i'm being mm. lumped into rioting mm. um 
and it's not a grab for power it's a grab for um to be heard like to be to be right. seen and to mm -hmm. be valued and so um even for you know and and it, and we could sit here and unpack all of the different like things that are about some of these riots that are actually being reported about, about people not even being from that state looting and rioting people that are mm. it, I, I don't even want to get into all of that at, because I feel like I'm trying to right even right now there's so much conflict within me about a lot of it uh, as an African-American and then as a believer uh, mm. so that I could talk on it all day but so I won't I won't um, anchor I won't anchor into those things but what I will say is I think <clears throat> like what you what i do agree with what you said is holy spirit empowerment right mm -hmm. holy spirit empowerment to live out and to uh exemplify the gospel and the kingdom of god i believe exemplifying and uh exemplifying the gospel and the kingdom of god goes back to love like love like jesus specifically put all of the I don't know if it was the I don't know if it was the Sadducees or the Pharisees, but he put teachers of the law into a bind when he told a story about a man on the side of the road who needed help, who was being passed by by the religious leaders of that day. And he used the one person from a group of people that they all are not fans of mm. <laughs> to tell them who to tell them a story. And in the midst of that, he asks them who of these guys you know what i'm saying were actually doing what you think god would want them to do in that scenario mm. and uh, and they all say cuz they universally understand it was this, it was it was the samaritan mm. some people have even preached that the way that that story is told the guy who responds to him can't even say samaritan he says the the last guy like he can't even say the samaritan like he won't even bring himself to do that and then Jesus responds, great, be like that dude. Like, it's not even like, it's not even a, a question of like, hey, should I pray about this first? Should I, you know, should I consult with like a group of people and say, hey guys, there's this guy on the side of the road. He looks like he needs help. What do we, sh what should we do? Should we pray about it first? Should we like, you know, collect some, like he's like immediately like dudes in need. Let me, mm -hmm. let me go and, and, and do something about it. Um, and so if we're talking about Holy Spirit empowerment, man, the empowerment to get up and go, to get up mm -hmm. and do. And I believe in the Holy Spirit empowerment to create, to build something different, mm -hmm. to build something new. Like the Holy Spirit is not, he's not confined to, to just like, you know, linear um, solutions or linear thoughts, but he can create he is part of the creator he gives us and empowers us uh so that we can do something different do something new um I, and i just i don't know i believe in what you're saying like there's a holy spirit empowerment to combat prejudice and racism that we as believers have access to that we need to start wielding and it has this is just my personal opinion personal opinion alert it has more to do with the heart of god than speaking in tongues that's just me. That's my personal mm -hmm. view on that. Though. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to say, I, I think 
from along your lines, what you're saying, Pastor Jabal, to something that I think about, actually, even when I mentioned to you yesterday, like, it's like, okay, so the Holy Spirit empowers us um, not simply to cry at the altar, not simply to have an experience. That may be a way that God is confirming that he's moving in our lives. Absolutely. Sure. But it doesn't end there or that's not the purpose. It's not the be all. Um, and so, right. and I think, and just to be clear, I do think Pastor Bonnie did say that, like it's an empowerment. Yes. So I don't yeah. want it mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I wanted you guys to comment because I just feel like this related in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like how you, how you were saying, Pastor Jamal, you know, um, that it's an empowerment to love others and to be done with action. Um, so there was a post we shared on Facebook too, which was cool. Regarding our Pentecostal heritage and the Azusa Street revival, with uh, William Seymour, who kind of it was the centerpiece of that revival. He was African American, and the quote from that was that the color line was washed away. And so it's cool that wow, our heritage. Look at um, people of different ethnicities, especially at that time. It's like 1904, around that time, maybe a little later, 1906 or something, or 1910. I don't know, so, somewhere right around there. Um, and wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. And we can, um, we can be proud of that in that way. That's great. Look at the example that was set. And I was saying that with you guys and Pastor Bonnie and Pastor Jamal, both of you guys brought up like, well, yeah, like in the services, I guess. But when we come to applying it to action, maybe that's not how it turned out. I, don't, I just want, it was really good what you guys were sharing. Because even for me, that was kind of news in that sense. Yeah. So I think, well, not I think, William Seymour was uh, a, well, yeah, I think he was part of a group of people that were part of the Azusa Street Revival. And I think he was the main kind of speaker, but there was um, other people who were also there that were praying and uh, seeking the Lord. And, you know, uh, Holy Spirit was poured out, uh, began a movement. And obviously, um, if you are versed in ag history you know that uh the assemblies of god was birthed out of that movement um what you may not know is that uh when things started to kind of become organized william seymour was kind of booted out because he was african-american they were like hey we're gonna take it from here um we, we got it you know and um uh you know the whole thing about well during that time, obviously, segregation was a thing, <clears throat> and so um, the more the more they could distance themselves from the African American brother, the more traction that they could that they could get. Um, and in doing so, uh, the Assemblies of God was birthed. But at the same time, uh, a great grievance was done against the kingdom, you know, um, and and that's sad and unfortunate. Uh, so when I saw the quote, like, oh, the color line was washed away, I kind of felt like, man, I don't know about that. Like, only because in the eyes of the Lord, uh, you know, like, I don't think there ever was a, a color line in that regards. I think God has always been actively pursuing a, un- a united kingdom uh, of God that spanned, you know, all, every tribe, every nation. We That's what we read in Revelation. Uh, but in that moment, on earth in the united states of america uh the color line just became even more broad which is which is sad and unfortunate yeah yeah the um uh pentecostal heritage uh magazine the newest edition actually discusses the history of um a couple minority groups uh you know one being the history of the african-american 
um, groups in the Assemblies of God and different um, how that has evolved over time. And um, and the other was actually the Ministry of the Blind, which was also an interesting read. But um, but uh, reading reading the history, um, it really wasn't until the early 90s, 1990s, that the Assemblies of God in our nation actually started to really come together together and and unite um, in in real legitimate ways like with action behind the words you know and not just not just token photos um, <laughs> not just like hey look what we're doing and you know picture of you know pictures you know token pictures but that's not actually what churches were doing I mean in the 60s um, there was a great divide um, in the general council and in you know uh, churches that, um, you know, didn't want to take a stand for civil rights because they didn't want to offend their parishioners. I mean, uh, like, ugh, I just, when along I read, the, when I read sorry. that, I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, along those lines, like, I think it's important as we're talking about this to realize that it's only been since 1964 right. that the civil rights has been enacted and so when people act like well that happened so long ago that was so long ago it really wasn't it was what is that 56 years ago which is like less than a generation ago you know that's um i've i've asked questions with some people in our church you know some of the older african-american women in the church who remember experiencing that when they would go into southern states they had fear you know wow. and and as little girls you know and as as and so i think my whole point in that is as we're talking about this it's important to realize that this is a current issue it's not something that happened so long ago and it's not something that was like generations and generations ago where things started to change it really is a current thing changing so as we're talking about being Pentecostal, we have to think about like the Holy Spirit empowering us to make changes today for the future because it hasn't been this long period of change that's already taken place. This is new stuff uh, and the general timeline of the world, this is new stuff that's happening um, that we're talking about unity and that... Um, and I, I guess my whole point being is sometimes we, we feel so distant from it, mm -hmm. but the reality is it's not this thing that is distant. It's this thing that is only 50 something years old, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Well, and I, I want to add that, you know, for me, if I'm being honest, it's tough because even what you said, Pastor Bonnie, like, oh, it wasn't until the early nineties, the assemblies of God even changed uh, maybe in, in a more practical way of mm -hmm. embracing ethnicities. And like, so I was born in 92. So I'm like, in my mind, yeah. Like you, right. Pastor Todd, you say 57 years ago, the sixties when this happened, I'm like, okay. I mean, that was like a long time ago for me. And so I'm mm -hmm. like, I, in some ways I don't feel like I have ownership over certain things. I'm like, why would, why would we be segregated? Why would we do that? Like, and so it can be easy for me to distance myself from the reality of like where, where maybe 
those problems still exist. And so along with that, kind of my own response to myself, and you guys probably could weigh in anyway, but like, this is what I'm thinking of when in Pastor Jeff's sermon, he compared Tower of Babel to Pentecost. And in the third point, he's Oops. Hello. Pastor, okay, there Pastor, it is. Uh, I muted myself. Mute. Yeah, you hit the mute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the church must open their doors to everybody. That was his third point. And yeah. so what I'm this so I'm coming at myself now is I think uh, he he shared that quote from Martin Luther King, which was really powerful. Martin Luther King Jr. said, "It's appalling that the most segregated hour in Christian America." is Sunday at 11 a.m. And yeah. I think that really speaks for itself. Yeah. And so for me, though, or somebody, anyone listening, you don't have to be young, young on the younger side to feel this way. You may say, well, the, whole, the I mean, what's great is that we're not segregated today. Isn't that great? You know, people of any ethnicity are welcome to choose any chair in the sanctuary. That's how you can feel. So we're, we're good. But so, again, the challenge to myself yeah, but- and us listening is, well, what are some other ways that maybe we segregate then? You're right. We, anyone can use the water fountain today. 57 mm-hmm. years ago, to your point, Pastor Todd, actually wasn't that long ago. And um, you couldn't use the same water fountain. Thankfully, you can in First Assembly of God today. But maybe what are some other ways that, you know, again, it's easy for, for us to not take ownership of this issue. I just, reasons, so. just want to be clear. You cannot use the water fountain at first assembly. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. You can't it use is, it right no now. No one can. can no one but can there's no segregation. No one can it's not it. due to segregation issues. So. I was just trying to break the, just trying to break the tension, y'all. Just trying to break it a little bit. Well, and, and my question is, are we really open to anyone? I mean, if you really, in your heart of hearts... Christian, you know, as as a Bible believing Christian, you know, are are we really open to anyone walking through those doors? And I mean, like, I'm, I mean, what do you picture in your mind as like, if somebody walked through the church doors right now, right? Anyone? Like, what is it? What like? I mean, I mean, in today's day and age, in today's world, in today's society think about it like the beauty is the beauty is this i can confidently say that we as a church first assembly of god we are i can confidently say that um and that's another podcast for another day but i can confidently say that Hmm. well here would be my pushback i this is my own thoughts i feel like we uh, and it is good to hear you say that pastor jamal so we can say that we are open to anyone who walks through our doors and again, that's just it. So our doors are open to everyone. It, but that, yeah. to me, it, that's passive. If anyone chooses to walk in here, we, we uh, will not give them a hard time. Um, but, you know, people don't really choose to walk in here. I, I don't know whose fault that is. It's not my fault. You know, so that's fine. And so to me, that's my pushback is like, well, okay, sure, we're welcoming to everyone. But even when we say welcoming, I'm going to, I'm going to, roast the young adults for a second any young adults listening i'm sorry but i'm just gonna roast you right now there's been a t- couple times where somebody new has come to our church and i talked to that person and i said hey can you go make sure you talk to this person over there and they all look at me like why would i do that i'm like um because they're new and you know they're young adults age and i said hi to them 
but maybe one or two other people, you know, a good connection point. And it's tough sometimes to get out of our comfort zone. So anyway, sorry, not trying to throw you under the rug. I didn't throw any names out there, but young adults, come on, let's set the example. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will. I won't let you, I won't let you stand out there on that plank alone, Pastor Matt. I know that for us in the youth ministry, we've had, we've had moments like that too. Like, I've had to be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? You see this new person over here, go talk to him, go hang out with them. Um, I will, I will proudly say um, that within our youth ministry, we have had some phenomenal people who helped to champion that cause uh, and set that tone. Uh, and I will gladly say their names. Uh, Tara Matthews, Derek Matthews, Sawyer Matthews. They were, 100% some of the I mean just pioneers they would step out and be like hey to everybody every single time people came in to youth ministry um, I we have testimonies of students in our youth ministry now uh, and they've all graduated all the, the the Matthews kids are all graduated out you know and gone um, uh, but we have students currently in our youth ministry that are there because of the example that these guys and gal uh, set. And so I, you know, am firmly grateful for, you know, I'm grateful for them, grateful for them. And uh, we firmly as a youth ministry continue to say, Hey guys, listen, you know, our youth ministry didn't get to this size because of, you know, segregation and, you know, ostracizing people. It, it got to this place because people were actively, you know, reaching out. So this is what we need to continue to do. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's really positive. That's great to hear. And it's a positive example for us in, in youth ministry. And that's what we want to be aiming towards. Again, I think in, if it's in my own mind, I hear segregation. I am thinking race. I'm thinking 50, 60, 70 years ago, Pastor Todd, to your point. So I'm like, oh, well, we don't segregate today. But in the examples you were just giving, Pastor Jamal, it, it may not be a race thing even. It's a, it's somebody I'm uncomfortable with for whatever reason, or again, Pastor Bonnie, to your point, uh, I don't know, think about who would walk, who, who, who would walk through the door that would make you uncomfortable. Like that would be maybe an example or again, just not engaging somebody. I don't, I, I don't know. I just sit with the people I know. And I know that person comes to our church sometimes. I, I don't really say hi. I don't know them. And so those are some challenges for us. Um, but but I think what you what you what you do bring out what you do point out, Pastor Matt, that I think is the larger issue is it's the active pursuit. Yeah, the active pursuit and understanding that you were actively pursued, right? Like we as human beings were actively pursued by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that before the foundations of the earth were laid, that Jesus purposed in His heart to die for us, which is incredible that to me speaks of a pursuit that happened and started way before i was even here and for us as believers to then be like well no i don't want to do that well i feel like that's problematic to your faith like you know like that's real problematic to a core like a core like a foundational issue within within our faith that jesus christ um you know pastor jeff said it yes yesterday in his message um the whosoever like whosoever means whosoever and so for you to just all, all of a sudden sit in a seat and say well not this person i feel like you setting yourself up for some real like trouble like you know like you setting yourself up for some real issues here but um 
you know, just say, I'm going to try to bring it all together in this, uh, what you're saying with the Martin Luther quote and um, some of the stuff that we brought up in the beginning in regards to um, race. I think that it's the same, like for the church, we need to be the leaders in the pursuit of reconciliation uh, so you know, and, and bringing together all of this stuff. Like I, it, it can't be, I, I just don't think we can afford to wait for somebody else to take the first step um, because it was, it's been God's plan. Like if I think about it, like, and, and I'm, I'm just being honest here. This is, I guess, more of a fleshy whatever, but I'm trying to view it through a spiritual lens. If the manager left the church in charge of the ministry of reconciliation, like we can't be like, all right, you guys got it over there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it has to be us pass, like actively uh, pursuing that, uh, exemplifying that uh, and I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we can be silent about it or, or, or idle about it. I want to say this. So we talk about the empowerment of the Holy spirit. Isn't that exactly what it means? Empowerment Mm -hmm. for what empowerment Mm -hmm. to pursue to empowerment for like how you said it so good, Pastor Joel, the, um, the pursuit of reconciliation without, without the Holy spirit's empowering. Yeah. I, we get tribal. We think these are my people. I'm uncomfortable X, Y, and Z. But when, uh, the Holy Spirit empowers us, I can now walk outside of myself and speak to someone else or X, Y, and Z. And I feel like, so even bringing it full circle to the Holy Spirit, empowerment for what? Empowerment, what we say, we say empowerment for witnessing, empowerment for service, all these different things. And so like how you said, the pursuit, that's what he empowers mm. us to do. Mm. And can I throw out there too, like I think sometimes um, people think, the empowerment for that to happen within the church is for the pastors to do it. And I say that because I think a lot of these changes that happen in people begins on the personal level. Mm-hmm. I think God wants to change us. God wants to change how we parent our kids. God wants to change the conversations that we have when we're not in church about these things. Like, I think sometimes we're really, really good at turning church on and off. Mm -hmm. And when we're in a church setting, we say the right things. And I think then when we're on private settings, what we really think leak out in our conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I, I say that because even hearing people like justify sometimes with, um, <clears throat> talking about how people are mistreated. Well, they deserved it. Well, they were asking for it or well, um, or, or sometimes we're just really good at giving the right answer right. and it doesn't bleed into our personal lives. Mm. And so I think if we want change to happen, we can't wait for pastors to lead a change. You know, the Holy Spirit to empower pastors to make decisions. I think we have to be the force of change in our relationships. We have to be the force of change in our children. We have to be the force of change to be leaders in whatever setting that we're in and not wait for somebody else to lead us. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, um, because, you know, as a, as a children's pastor, I can see 
people who they, you know, who they've become start out as little kids, you know? And, and so I think if we want to change, we start by leading our kids, you know, and, you know, that's just a, I know I got tunnel vision there because of working with kids, but, but I think that that is something that's really important. I I think if we're waiting for somebody else to do it for us, Mm -hmm. I, I think we're missing the mark a little bit too. Right. I agree with you, Pastor Ty. And I would say it, I don't know who, who all listens to this, but if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, that does not absolve you from leading as either. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have to kind of, you have to lead. Like, you, so um, you have to step out there and be like, Hey guys, we're not, we're not, we're not for this. We're not, we're not in support of these things. Um, it, it is. I mean, that's why we get paid the big bucks, right? That's what they say, right? Like we, we get to we get we get to stand in the front here and say, "This is where we're going. Uh, this is why." Um, and and so, yeah, I agree with both of those. I I think they're not. I agree. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Is what I'm trying to, I guess, communicate, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I, but you know who? As people, you know what we do? We always right. wait for someone to tell us what to oh, do, you're, and you're or wait for somebody else to do it for us. You're 100, and, right. and that's all of us that's who we are as people sometimes yeah man. and what i'm saying is that if we are the church and as as we kind of come up with the whole covid thing and we can't meet in a building so we are the body then we as a body begin to initiate this change and we're called by god right. to do this and not just it's not just our pastors who are called to do these things we as individuals are called to do these things i think that's kind of no, no. Yeah. You're, 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 I agree. And I would say this, cause I don't want nobody to be, I'll do, I'll throw this in there too. If you're listening to this and you are saying, well, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know where to start. I don't know how um, to make this change happen or, you know, whatever. Like I, if I were you, I would start to get closer to people who are, who feel some of this tension and some of this, um, some of the hurt that's, that's out there and begin dialogue and say, hey, can we, can we maybe come up with some solutions together? How can I help? How can I help you help the church make the kingdom of God glow? You know, like, like, and, and the beauty about it is this, to bring it, you know, back full circle, we as the church have access to the power to do so. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like we, it, we're kind of without excuse. We have access to the one who is above all things, who is the, the great creator. Amen. Like if there's, there's a, we have access to the one who is the most creative and can give us new and inventive and creative and phenomenal ways to champion reconciliation um, mm-hmm. in our country, in our world. Um, and so we, we, we kind of aren't without excuse. So like, you know, I don't know, like being, being very, pla- being very practical, I'm just I'm just gonna go there, like guys. I'm sorry, it's it, it's it's locked and loaded. The tension is there, but I'm just gonna pull the trigger. Start having conversations with African American people about some of the things that they've experienced, and see if you can't dream together for a mm-hmm. better church. I'm talking globally, right? Yeah. Start having conversations with people from LGBT community, and see if you can't find a way um, to see a better tomorrow, a better church. Um, that they feel safe and can come and, and, and experience and grow closer to God. Um, Those to me are practical things that you can do right now uh, Mm -hmm. to see if you can't, how how do we reconcile 
all of mankind, because that's what it is. It's all of mankind mm -hmm. reconciled back to the heart of the Father. Mm -hmm. So I'm, that's that's just, I'm just saying that I believe that those are practical ways that you can do that. Start having those conversations. Um, that's, that's just me. That's just me. Mm -hmm. I want to say um, to what you were saying earlier, Pastor Todd, about a lot of times we expect the pastor to do it. I think of this, I've been sharing this, like Pastor Jeff said, uh, said this a couple weeks ago, Ephesians chapter four, you know, that the job of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so when, so Pastor Jamal is absolutely right. And obviously you were saying that Pastor Todd, that, hey, the pastor is leading in this way, but um, uh, it's not just up to him. In fact, we, our role is to be getting our, our whole church to be thinking that way. So mm -hmm. when, again, in a practical sense, when I ask a young adult or Pastor Jamal, you ask a youth, a teenager, um, that's the whole idea. Pastor Jamal could talk to every single new student and actually probably will slash should in youth group, but it's not just Pastor Jamal's job to do so. In fact, it's our job to equip everybody to be thinking mm -hmm. this way. Um, uh, so I, I just think uh, that's so important. That's our role. And I'm really glad that you just shared that, Pastor Jamal, about practical ways to do it. Because that's, again, on a personal level, that's how I feel sometimes in these uh, conversations or these topics. I feel like, you know, so, so what do I do? So what do I do? That, that's right. how I feel a lot of times. It's like, so what do I do? I, I don't know what to do about it. And so mm -hmm. it's really good. Just begin yeah. to have conversations. And especially with, uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're brothers and sisters. So we can, we can dialogue easily. And I said. Yeah. And I think that here's the, here's the other part, right? Like I, maybe it's just like, I'm just like, I don't know, feeling like I'm like seeing this in like this lane, but like you get to walk, like, this is just me, but you get to walk alongside people and say, Hey, you know what? Let's look at this system created by man. That's broken. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and put it as a backdrop against a system created by God mm. and see how what what we see on this earth is far and 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 I mean just like super far away from what God has created in his system and be able to use that as an avenue to champion the kingdom you, you get a chance to like you guys are on the same page at this point like you can both point to the scenario and say hey this is wrong this is broken like you know what I mean like you get to be, and and to me that's like a door. That's a door in. You're like, man, this is straight up jacked up. Like that's not that's not right. That's not the way God intended for things to operate. That's not the way that God intended for things to be. Let's let's see if we can't find a, a better solution in that way. Like, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're already on the right track by saying by but by, by comparing the two and seeing how disparagingly like how how far apart they are. That that's just I don't know. I'm I'm be quiet. Go ahead, Pastor. No, I was just going to say, I think the problem is, is that not everybody views it as broken mm -hmm. because yeah. there's a lot of personal experiences. I'll, I'll share, hope my family doesn't listen to this because I'm about to get in trouble, um, <laughs> but I'll share like growing up in a smaller town. Um, there, I think I had maybe like two African-Americans that were maybe mm -hmm. in my high school, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't think of any Hispanics, really. And um, there is a certain mentality that comes from being 
in a place where everybody thinks the same and has mm-hmm. the same experiences. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. And I struggle sometimes with that because I've, I've, thank God I live an hour and a half from where I grew up and I live in an area that's much more culturally diverse. And even then we are still, a. Mm. Mm, it's not as diverse as some areas, mm-hmm. you know, and um, there were ways that I thought that I didn't even know I thought until I came into contact with people who were different from myself and made friendships with people who were different than myself. And within that, my thinking changed because sometimes it's really easy to talk about, um, to, to act like, uh, I'm trying so hard here to like, it's really, really easy to think about how people are just acting like victims until you take time to listen to their story and you take time to know them. And whether I understand what it's like for, to be afraid driving my car and see cop lights, I may not understand that, but I love people who do experience that. Mm -hmm. And so because I'm called to love people, sometimes I need to get outside of myself, listen to their experiences, and then understand that um, if this is important to them, then shouldn't it also be important to me? Mm-hmm. You know, but that doesn't happen when you stay confined to just people who think like you. Mm-hmm. And Califon, New Jersey <laughs> is a very small area <laughs> where people think very similarly mm-hmm. to the point where like um, people make jokes Mm-hmm. And they think it's fine. It's not offensive. Mm-hmm. And then now that I've been removed for that for 20 something years and I hear those things, I'm like, you can't joke like that. You, you can't be flying the rebel flag <laughs> and think that that is not offensive mm-hmm. and think that that does not bring like, like that, like that means something that symbol has, it speaks something just like the cross speaks something. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to be willing to like humble yourself to actually listen to people and their experiences. And then to say, oh my gosh, I don't understand what that's like because that's not my experience, but I love you enough that I care what you're saying. And maybe I don't know how to take up the cause. Maybe I don't know, but I love you enough to know if this is important to you, it's going to be important to me. And I think that's Mm -hmm. part of what the gospel calls us to do is to understand, I see in our notes that you talk about um, the diversity and yet unity within that. Maybe I will never have that experience, but within that, your experience, my experience, all coming together as one body, that glorifies God when we take time to, we don't all have to be the same. In fact, we're better if we're not all the same. If everybody was a pastor, if everybody was a worship leader, where would the rest of the congregation be? Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's a beauty in the fact that we are different. We've had different experiences. And if I can't acknowledge that my way isn't the only way or my experience isn't the only real true experience, then I'm missing an opportunity to really love people. And in some ways, all right, I'm going to get in trouble. In some ways, some of the friendships I have made here at the church with 
people with different color skin than me, I would depend upon them to have my back even more so than those who might think like me or, mm -hmm. or, or sometimes they're more my family sometimes than because of the fact that we're, we're brothers in Christ in a way that I don't know, even though they may be different and diverse, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I just, I say those things because it's not as heavy on my heart. And even talking about this, like I, I care, but I don't always know what to do about it. But I think it starts with like understanding that you have to learn to love people who are different than you. And maybe, maybe that's God's heart. I love you too, man. I love you too, bro. <laughs> my man's my guy over there. You know what I mean? I love you, bro. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that was so good, Pastor Todd. So yeah, man. Uh, beautifully worded. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love it kind of on a more silly side, Pastor Jeff, a week or two ago when he was preaching said they were all in one accord. They were all united. And he said, they probably didn't all like tuna fish sandwiches. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're saying is may, maybe you grew up where everyone liked tuna fish sandwiches, but that doesn't mean because someone else doesn't, well, they got, a, they got something wrong with them. No, there's nothing wrong with them. And, and you, you said it so well, you said it so well. So, yeah, I think, Oh, go ahead. This part, oh, no, I was going to say, I just wanted to go, I just want to share real quick that, um, like, I, I mean, I grew up just my experience. Cause you talk about your experience, Pastor Todd growing up and, um, my experience growing, it just got me thinking about my experience in growing up. Um, I grew up in Northern New Jersey, Clifton, um, in a, my elementary school years from kindergarten to preschool, really to fifth grade, uh, were on a side of town in Clifton where there were a lot, a lot, a lot of ethnicities. Um, there was very diverse area to the point where my elementary school had 13, I think different countries represented by where the kids were born. I mean, I pretty much tasted like food from around the world when my first like 10 years of life. Um, and so, and, and that's just how I grew up and I've come to appreciate that diversity. And, and when I get into spaces where there's not really that diversity, I kind of miss it. You know, I kind of hunger for it. Um, so I just wanted to share that. That is just a thought. But so Again, that's totally the body of Christ is that we are diverse. Yeah. And I think, what helps us too is, you know, different, um, different doesn't mean unequal too. I, right. um, uh, yeah, I'll share this. I was telling you guys earlier before we hit record, um, part of some sensitivity training that I went through in an old job. Uh, I think it was mostly silly, but they did have this that was really good. But I think, uh, at least I found it helpful, uh, growing up, especially in regards to race, we talked about being colorblind. We want to be colorblind. Hey, don't don't see the color of somebody's skin. Um, we're all equal, and obviously, the sentiment behind that is uh, absolutely right. But um, in the sensitivity training I was part of, they talked about you know what? It's actually impossible to not see um, the differences that we have as humans, and actually, that is part of who you are, the way you grew up your cultural heritage, your ethnicity, all form are all aspects of your identity. And so they said, you know, instead of being colorblind, we need to be color brave and be able to embrace our ethnicities, our cultures and how they're different, but different doesn't mean unequal. And that's the beautiful picture that again, what you, how you said, Pastor Jamal, 
the church, um, we have that opportunity. We have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do so. Um, humanity in our sin and brokenness, maybe it's actually not possible to see someone different as equal or a brother or a family. That's exactly the chance that we have now as the church through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is the body of Christ. We all have different stories, different experiences. Maybe we grew up with people who all thought similarly to us, because similar to how you were sharing, Pastor Todd or Pastor Bonnie, other experiences, maybe it was very diverse. Um, but no matter what, as the body of Christ, we are diverse. And it's not passive only. It's not just, oh, I'm sh- I, I, someone of a different ethnicity can walk in if they want to. Someone of a different worldview or a different lifestyle can walk in if they want to. Um, and I won't stop them from that. Uh, but it, it is that pursuit as the body of Christ. So good. From what we're Some, something, something that you just said actually just sparked something in my mind. I think, and this is, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think that um, a lot of the racial stuff, like it's going to take a long, long time. And in a lot of ways, unfortunately, um, there have been, I, I feel like, this is just me personally. I feel like there's been a lot of silence for, for way too long. And so the knot, the knot of what we, of racism and whatnot in our country has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So I feel very, very bad um, f- uh, for the, the future generations of church leaders who will be left to kind of like unravel generations of like, you know, of hurt that has just kind of sat, sat there. Um, they, they, you know, They've got a lot of work to do, but the beauty is we get to we get to start right now on some of that work and do as much as we can um, to help for, you know future generations move it further. Um, and I believe that God can give us the strength and the wisdom and the creativity to do do it well. Um, but something you said, Pastor Matt, that really really struck a chord in me is you said passive, right? And I think about Adam in the garden. Scripture says that that's, that the enemy, that this, the tempter, the snake, challenged the things of God in conversation with Eve. The scripture also says that when it came time to bite the fruit, that she gave some to her husband who was with her. It's very clear in scripture that Adam was present, but he was silent. And that's to me is like crazy. And I think that passivity, because um, ultimately, you know, when, when, when God comes in, it, Eve, Eve he, he speaks to Eve, yo, you tripping, what's up with this? Why'd you do this? Da, da, da. But he also speaks to Adam like, yo, you are also culpable. Your passivity has made you culpable in this scenario. And I think when we're talking about things uh, if we're if we're really talking about Holy Spirit Pentecostal harvest of souls uniting of all of every nation every tribe every tongue, if we're talking about a kingdom perspective uh, that is um, that is pursuing actively pursuing all people created in the image of God, then passivity there's no room for it. So like you know, there's no room for that passivity in any way, shape, or form. We have to be actively pursuing a kingdom um we have to be actively pursuing a kingdom uh in a relationship uh with people that reflects what 
what Revelation paints for us. Um, so uh, yeah, that's my love. That's awesome. And, and um, yeah, just kind of as we begin to kind of wrap up our thoughts here, I think it's great what you just shared um, that we don't want to be passive. And, I, and I'm, I'm talking to myself when, when I say that. I just want to say that it's clear. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm talking to myself. And, um, you know, the gospel is for those who are listening who may feel, man, this, this is a lot to talk about. This is heavy. Or, again, me personally would feel like, man, okay, do we have to keep talking about this right now or, or something? Um, I think uh, the, the gospel is culturally relevant. We would say that in church. We would all nod our heads yes. And so here's what our culture is engaging with, wherever you may be, as relevant as you feel it is to your personal life at the moment. Um, this is where our culture is. And what's amazing is the gospel is culturally uh, relevant. And that's why we're talking about it, because the gospel is not separate from what our society is doing. Our society needs the Holy Spirit, needs the work of Jesus to be applied to them and to their hearts. And that's how we'll see this change if we can live as the church. So, um, well, so let's do this. Let's end with some prayer. I think it's been pretty serious what we've been talking about. And uh, um, so uh, I guess, do you want to go around quickly? Instead of maybe just one person praying, we can each take a quick turn. Does that work? Yep. All right, cool. Um, uh, Pastor Todd, do you want to start us off? Uh, Pastor Bonnie, Pastor Jamal, and I'll just I'll just say a couple words at the end. Okay. Father God, we've we kind of had a a pretty a hefty conversation today, but. Lord God, I feel like it's only like could be the tip of the iceberg because there's so much more than what we can talk about in an hour and and solve. But God, we know that um, you know that we can come to you, and on behalf of our nation, we can just cry out to you and say, God, we need you, Father God. I I, I just think it's so appropriate that we're talking about these things on the day of Pentecost because it was there that the church was birthed. And the church was given a mission, and that was to be a witnesses, Father God, to our world. And I pray that, Father God, as, as we just try to talk about these things, that you would help us to be witnesses, Father. Empower us to love others, and to love others who are different from us, to love others who we may not even understand or have the same experiences, but that, God, you would empower us to be lights to those around us. And, Father God, I just pray that as as we've talked about these things that, um, that father God, you would start with working in our own hearts and our own attitudes towards others, father. And, and, uh, not always just giving the right answer, but God to really let your words soak into our hearts and change us on heart level so that our private conversations and our public conversations, father God, both of them reflect your heart for people. Father, we, we, we just begin this out and we just cry out to you to, to bring healing in our nation, Father. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, give us faith, God, that could move mountains, Lord. And, and when I ask that, I mean, God, that your word says if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we could tell the mountain to move and it'll be moved, God. And there are so many issues in our world today that 
seem like mountains that are immovable, that are impossible, that we feel powerless against changing and transforming. But God, through our faith in you, through our trust in you, through following after you, through our pursuit of you, God, you empower us by your Holy Spirit to be the active change in ways that are great and small, God, that, that you inspire us to take the steps necessarily, necessary in the right directions, God, to, to be the change that needs to be made, to, to lead those into the changes that need to be made, God, and to empower others to transform and renew our minds and change us, God, to reflect more of your heart and less of us. So God, I just pray, Lord, that through this time, through this issue that we're battling with, God, through this issue that we're navigating in our country right now, God, I just pray that as Christians, you would empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be wise and discerning and to do everything in your love. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just... Um reminded in your word tells us lord to let our words be few before you so i ask simply god would you truly empower us by the by the holy spirit to be men and women who live out your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven give us the strength lord to allow for your love your kingdom your vision for this world to come to fruition and Lord, I pray, God, that um, truly we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. Empower us, I ask in your name. God, again, we thank you for this time together. Thank you, um, Chris, to be able to just talk in this way. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who does empower us and whose presence is with us, Lord God, that you equip us and wow, you even use us, Lord, it's beautiful and it's incredible and so god i just uh, i agree with all the prayers that have been said use us god empower us help us to be agents of change lord and um that uh we ask this in your name jesus amen amen all right guys well uh this has been great great talking um, appreciate your time and uh, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>